Second uh, Peter one and three says, "According as His divine power hath given unto all things that pertain unto life and godliness through the knowledge of Him that hath called us to glory and virtue." Um, there was a there was a I like this and it kind of uh, um, kind of explains that first verse. Um, in the introduction to the lesson, it said this over and over again. We hear the claim that Christianity takes the fun out of life, but in reality, that is not true. It is exciting to discover what God can do for us daily when we fully trust Him. When we lean on our Lord Jesus for all that we need, we can live a godly life of exciting faith. Our lesson this week shows us that God has not left us alone to somehow find a way to live a godly life. He has already put all the resources in place for us to succeed. You know, when I was studying this lesson, I couldn't help but think about the blessings that we have and all of the things that we have at our, our disposal. I just wrote a few of the the um, things that we are given to help us in our Christian life down. You know, first of all, God gave His Son, John 3.16, He gave His Son so that we could so that we could accept Him, we could be saved, and then we would have the Holy Spirit that lives in us, that leads and guides and directs us in, in our ways. And I'm so thankful for the Holy Spirit. You know what the Holy Spirit does? It keeps us in line. It does, it does me. It keeps me in line. And I need someone to keep me in line, and that Holy Spirit does. And you know, I, I went all the way back, and I can just remember a few things, but I do remember that I was saved uh, somewhere around 13 years old. And you know that has kept me in line. That's kept me from. That's kept me out of the world. That's kept me out of doing the, some of the things that would have destroyed my life. And today, um, I'm 69 years old, and I'm in fairly good health because because I had given my life to the Lord when I was 13, and I allowed the Holy Spirit to lead and guide and direct my life. And I stayed away from all of the things, the drugs, the alcohol, the cigarettes, the, the language, and all the other things that would have, would have brought my body down. But now I stand before you very whole. And like I said, I just have a few issues in life. And I'm so blessed. And I could, as I was studying this lesson, I thought about how blessed we are. You know, we have, we're in the church age. We're in the age to where we, we, can, we can be saved. We don't, we don't go through the rituals that they did in the Old Testament where they had to sacrifice animals. And guess what? Our sins are forgiven. They're not covered. They're forgiven. And all the things, and I wrote down um, all the things that we have at our disposal. And this right here, it's the, it's the most abused book in the whole world. But God gave us this book, this holy, this holy Bible. This is His Word. Uh, 2 Timothy 3 and 16 says it's inspired. It's inspired by God. And how many people read it every day? How many people read it? Paul, uh, Timothy said study. Paul told Timothy, study to show yourself approved. A workman that needeth not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. How many people? We have a Bible. We have study Bibles now. 
study Bibles that you can, and I love those study Bibles. Um, I, for a long time, I didn't have a study Bible, but I have one now. And I use that study Bible and I'll read it. And it, and it, it, you know, it's, it doesn't replace the King James Version, but it gives you what someone else thinks about a certain passage in the Bible. I have this big concordance. It's a Young's concordance. It's about that big. And uh, I've really used that thing. I paid $40 for that book. And I mean to tell you, but you have phones. <laughs> My wife has a computer. And you know what? She can. Uh, I can give her a word in a verse, and she can find it like that. It takes me a little while to go through that concordance and find that verse. But that's what I do. That's what I do. But you have computers. You have phones. There's so many things that a Christian has at their disposal nowadays. And God has noticed that word given. He's given us all of these things. And we're st- and still so many people are illiterate and they don't know the Bible. They don't know how to live. It tells us how to live, how to live our Christian life. Um over in 1 Corinthians, the second chapter in the 12th verse, it says this, Now we have received not the Spirit of the world, but the Spirit which is of God, that we might know the things that are freely given to us of God, which things also we speak, not in the words which man's wisdom teacheth, but which the Holy Ghost teacheth, comparing spiritual things to spiritual things. They are freely Given. Read the Romans the fifth chapter. It talks about the free gift. First of all, that free gift that we've received. Christ died on that cross. And He died for me and He died for you. And that free gift of salvation, it's free to all. And why people don't accept it, I don't know. But you know why they don't? Because they're in the world. And because they enjoy the world. They enjoy the things of the world. And they think they have to give those things up. Yes, you do. But guess what? You get something better. You get the, you get the Holy Spirit and you get eternal life. Wow, we can't replace that. But notice it says freely given. I'm glad you don't have to pay for it. Because I might have to scrape up some money. But it's free. Isn't that amazing when you go up to somebody and you witness to them, you, you give them a track and you, you, you ask them if they're saved, if they know the Lord as their personal Savior, and then they give you that look. And then you know you're done. They'll shut you down. Wow, why don't people want this free gift? It's free. It's free. Because they don't realize what they, what they could have in Christ. And wow, we're so blessed. You know, I was thinking this morning that about um, your prayer. You know, most people rush into their prayer and the first thing they do is they unload on God. They unload on God. All the problems and all the things that are going on in their life. You know, the first thing you should do in your prayer is thank God for all of His blessings. Wow, that'll take you at least five minutes. And then you don't get them all out. That's the first thing I do in my prayer is, 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 is I, I thank the Lord for everything that He gives for me. The air that I breathe, the heartbeat, every time my heart beat, it's because God allows that heart to beat. And every breath that I pray, we have clean air. We have clean air to breathe. 
And all of these blessings come from God. So before you unload on God, and maybe I'm maybe I have the wrong crowd here. Maybe I need the other maybe I need other crowds, other people. But before you unload on God, thank him for all of the many blessings that he's given us. I can't name them. I can't name them all. But they're free. I'm going to move on, okay? Because this, this second verse, it kind of, it kind of uh, goes along with the first. The fourth verse says, uh, Peter, Second Peter, Whereby are given, there's that word given again, unto us exceeding great and precious promises, that by these we might part, be partakers of the divine nature, having escaped the corruption that is in the world through lust. Precious promises. You know, if I can just for a minute, I don't know if you've ever heard this story, and I don't know if it's a true story, if it's just a regular, if it's just a story that I heard, and I can't remember where I heard it from, but boy, it just it just kind of hits home. This man had a Christian son, and the son came up to him and asked him. He was in a bind, and he said, "He said, Dad, I need I need a loan. I need some money." And the dad said, "Okay." So he said, I'll get back with you. So the dad went out and bought a Bible, put his name on the front of the Bible, and in every place that he could find, he put a dollar bill in that Bible. And he put over $1,000 in that Bible. Every promise that he could find, he would put a dollar in that Bible. And he gave the son the Bible. He said, here, son. Thinking the son would open the Bible well, a couple of weeks later, the son comes back to him and he said, Dad, you know, I came to you and I asked you for money alone. I, I, was, in, I was in a bind and you, all you would do is give me this Bible. The dad said, Son, if you would have opened that Bible you would have realized there was over a thousand dollars in that Bible. For every promise that God made, I put a dollar in that Bible. And if you would have just opened it, you would have seen there was over a thousand dollars in that Bible. There are over thirty eight hundred promises, <coughs> precious promises in the Bible. You know, I could stand up here all day and tell you about all those promises. But I know we don't have that kind of time. But you know, I just wrote a few down. Um, anyway, there in one, I wrote one verse down. And in that one verse, there are four promises. Four promises. And that verse is Hebrews, the fourth chapter and the sixteenth verse. It says, Let us therefore come boldly unto the throne of God. The first promise, that we can boldly come to the throne of God. The second promise is that we may obtain mercy. Did you know that we can go to the throne of God and we can obtain mercy? I don't know about you, but I need mercy. I need mercy. The third promise is that we can find grace. Grace. It's something I don't deserve. Christ dying on that cross for me, it should have been me. I should have been the one hanging on that cross. But because of His grace, because of something I don't deserve, I received it. That's another precious promise. And then the fourth promise, to help in time of need. 
I'm a very needy person. <laughs> I'm a very needy person. And you know what? I can go to God, I can go to Christ any time of the day and night. Two o'clock in the morning, I can go to Him and I, I can let Him know I'm in need. You know, I, I'm struggling. I'm, I'm this and that. I'm, I'm, I have sinned. Whatever it is, I can go to Him in, in my time of need. And He is there. So just in that one verse alone, I have found four promises. Precious promises. And like I said, there are over 3,800 promises in this Bible alone. But just like that man, just like that story of the son, the problem is people don't even open the Bible. Some of them might open it whenever they come into the church. But that's it. You've got to open it. All those promises are in there. All those precious promises. Over 3,800 of them. Wow, we are so blessed. <laughs> I, I wish I could tell you how blessed we are, but I don't even realize how sometimes... We just take it for granted, don't we? That we are so blessed. But notice what it says, "...whereby are given unto us exceeding great and precious promises, that by these ye might be partakers of the divine nature, having escaped the corruption that is in the world through lust." You know, over in, uh, in Galatians, uh, the, the fifth chapter and the 25th verse, it says, "...if we live in the Spirit, let us also walk in the Spirit." And it also says, and I've got it, I've got it marked. Let me get this. Because I want to make this point. Because this fits me today. And I'm getting on your lesson next Sunday, uh, Pastor, but I'm sorry. <laughs> uh, notice what it says in uh, Galatians, the fifth chapter, and I'll just read it. 16th verse. This I say then, walk in the Spirit, and ye shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. You know, if, if we're busy living for, for Christ, guess what we don't do? What do we not do? We're not in the world, are we? We're not living for the world. We're living for Christ. We're on that straight and narrow way. If we're living, that's what the verse says. This I say, uh, Paul says this, this I say then, walk in the Spirit, and ye shall not fulfill the lust of the Spirit. The problem is that people aren't walking in the Spirit. So no wonder they're off the, the, big, off the, the straight and narrow. And no wonder they're doing things that they shouldn't do because if you're in tune with God and you're in the Spirit, guess what you're going to do? You're going to walk in the Spirit. And you're not going to be, your mind's not going to be in the world and you're not going to be in the world and you're not going to be doing the things of the world. You're going to be living for the Lord. You're going to be living for the Lord. But the problem is, is people aren't in the Spirit. I'm talking about Christians. I'm not talking about the world. They're already out there. I'm talking about Christians today. And no wonder they're not growing. And no, no wonder they're always seemingly disappointing God. You know, I don't want to disappoint my Lord. I know I make mistakes. And I pray every day and I ask Him for forgiveness. But you know, if we're walking in the Spirit, we're not walking in the flesh. And I know it's, it's impossible to stay in the Spirit 20, 24 hours a day, 7 days a week, 365 days a year. But what 
Paul is saying is that we should be trying. We should be, that should be our gold. That should be our standard, is to live in the Spirit, to walk in the Spirit. So, um, I'm just on the second verse. I've got to move on. <laughs> but that's the, that's, the sec- that's the second part of the verse. It says, having escaped the corruption that is in the world through lust. And that's how we do it, is by living in the Spirit. I'm going to move on. Uh, fifth verse says, And besides this, giving all diligence, add to your faith virtue, and to virtue knowledge, and to knowledge temperance, and to temperance patience, and to patience godliness, and to godliness brotherly kindness, and to brotherly kindness charity. For if these things be in you and abound, they make you that you shall neither be barren nor unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. You know, over in Galatians, and this is this is the lesson for next week, um, but I'll, I'll just touch on it. I'm, I'm sure the pastor will do a better job than I can. Um, but over in Galatians, the fifth chapter and the 22nd verse, it, it talks about the fruits of the Spirit. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, temperance. Against such... There is no law. There are nine qualities that we're to have as a Christian. And I just read them. Love, joy, peace, goodness, gentleness, meekness, temperance. All these things and plus the, the things that um, Peter mentioned too. We're, these are qualities that we're to possess as a Christian. And I wonder how many we, we possess. But you know the most important is... And notice which, which one was mentioned first. Which one was mentioned first? It's the most important one. And I think it's the one that we leave out. What is it? Love. Love. And joy. <laughs> the joy of the Lord is my strength. Nehemiah said, The joy of the Lord is my strength. I don't know about you, but I get weak at times. No wonder. It's because I don't have joy. Are you, are you, are you serving the Lord with joy? Or is it a struggle? It's, no wonder it's a struggle. We don't do the work. We're lazy. People are lazy. Christians are lazy. I'm lazy sometimes. You know, when I should be reading and studying the Lord, I'm doing something else. I'm watching that... <laughs> I've already called an idiot box. <laughs> or or you're playing on your phone or you're just doing something else. You know, I'm guilty. I'm guilty. You know, I look back and there's, you know, Paul says there's nothing you can do about the past. But I look back and I see where if I would have read and studied the Word of God, well, I could be so much more, I would have so much more knowledge, so much more wisdom. But I can't go back. There were times in my Christian life, and I've been saved for a long, long time, when I, when I went through valleys, when I went through different parts in my Christian life, and I did nothing. I didn't read my Bible. I didn't pray. I didn't do all these things that will help you grow. And I look back now and I said, if I would have just stayed on the plan, I would be so much stronger in my Christian faith. And no wonder people, no wonder Christians are weak today. They don't read and study their Bible. I've got that little sheet in, that I carry in my Bible. The the four different things that you should do to grow in your faith. 
Um, read and study your Bible. Pray, uh, witness, and and attend church. Wow, I have picked up so much by just attending church. You can, you can really, you can really pick up a lot of things. But you need to do it on. You need to have your own study time, reading and studying. And that's why that's why Christians are weak today. The only time they they open the Bible is when they're in maybe in the in the church here. You know, that's a good thing about these. Uh-huh. They help us, they kind of guide us in studying. Yes. Bible. You know, Pastor, I, I, I wanted to tell you, thank you for letting me teach. Because you know what it does? It's a forced study. And I study two weeks. I have two weeks to study this one lesson. And of course, I'm, I've familiarized myself for the lesson that you teach, just in case you can't teach it. Because I know we're, we're kind of backing one another up. But I, I have two weeks to study, and I really, I really try to pour my heart into studying and finding scriptures and, and things of that nature. But no wonder Christians are weak today. It's because they don't read and study. It's because they don't pray. Or if they pray, guess what? They don't pray in the right way. Like I said, when, when you start your prayer off, you ought to spend a few minutes thanking the Lord. You know, and then after that, then, then the second thing I do is I ask for forgiveness. And I don't know if, you've, if you don't have this verse memorized, I pray you'll memorize it because um, it says, if we confess our sins, He is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. That's the second thing I do when I pray is I ask for forgiveness of my sins because I can pat myself on the back and say, wow, I was really good yesterday. But you know, somewhere along the line, I probably messed up and I probably sinned. You know, the biggest sin that I commit today is just failing to do the things that God asked me to do. It's the sin of omission. The word you can almost hit or hear the word omit in that word. That's where I fail Him the most. And every day I fail Him. Every day I fail Him in not witnessing. You know, I fail Him because I don't have the compassion that I need to have for lost souls. He said... uh, He's not slacking His promises, as some men count slackness, but His long-suffering to us were not willing that any should perish, but that all would come to repentance. I fail Him in not... You know, I'm trying to memorize scriptures. I really am. Especially at this age, it's not as easy as, as it used to be. And, and little Jace, he really, he, really, uh, he really got me started. That little eight-year-old pastor... He really, he really encouraged me to start to continue to memorize scriptures. It's important because when you go out in the world, you're not carrying your Bible. I know some people say they carry little testaments in there. But you need to know how to tell people how to be saved. You need to know how to encourage them. Christians, um, we need to memorize as much scripture. What happens if, if our Bibles, and it could happen one day, what if our Bibles are taken away? The only thing we'll have is what's right here, what we've memorized. So at this age, at my age, I'm trying to memorize Scripture. It's not as easy as it used to be. I memorize that verse that says, For I'm not, not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God unto salvation. And not to me only, but to, um, to the Jew first and then also to the Greek. 
trying to memorize. I really am. You know, we need to memorize. We need to read and study. And we need to pray. And when we pray, we need to know how to pray. You know, the, the apostles, they asked Christ, how do we pray? They wanted to know. There's a right way to pray and there's a wrong way to pray. I'm afraid too many people don't know how to pray. Like I said, a lot of them just unload on God and say, I need, I need, I need. And that's as far as the prayer goes. Well, there's a little bit more to it than that. And I know one Wednesday night I spent a whole lesson on prayer. And it's a lot more to it than just praying for for the need for your needs. You need to be praying for the needs of everyone else too. And we need to be praying for our church. Did you pray for this service today? You know, we should be praying for this service that if someone comes in here that is lost, that that the Holy Spirit would be able to reach them and they would come forward and be saved. Did you pray for a lost soul that might be in our service this morning? We need to pray and we need to know how to pray. And it's in the Bible. And guess what? You can pick up too. Um, if you come to the ch- church services, you can pick up on that. Notice in the... Um, notice in, it said, um, For if these things be in you, the eighth verse... And abound, they make you that ye shall neither be barren nor unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. I'm afraid today that a lot of people are very unfruitful. You know what that means? It's, it's talking about a tree. What did Christ do when he, when he went by this tree and it was not bearing any fruit? What did He do? He had it, that's right, He had it cut down, didn't He? And, it, and He had it burned. It's no good. And if we're unfruitful today, and if a Christian is unfruitful, we ought to... I hope, I really truly hope that people can see the Lord in me. I try to smile. You know, everything is not always rosy. I understand life is hard sometimes. And you go through a lot of different things in in your life. But you know what? Living and serving Christ is joyful. That part is but yes, there are some hard times that you go through. You know, I, um, I have a friend. Um, his name is Bob Cox. I used to go to church with him. Very nice man. And uh, he's, he's, he's in his last days. And I know it. He lives in, in, uh, he lives in North Carolina. And I used to go to church with him. Very nice, fine man. And he's in his last days. He's, he's up in his 80s. Um, he was born in 37, so I could figure that out. I think he's 86. He'll be 87 this year. And he's in his last days. So, you know, and, and you've gone through these. I've lost my mom. I've lost my dad. Teresa's lost her mom and her dad. When you get to our age, you're going to lose parents. And we've lost a lot of friends. We've lost. Um, I've never lost anyone in my immediate family, um, my brothers or sisters. But, you know, we go through hard times. But we ought to still be able to smile. We ought to still have a good outlook. You know, the world out there, they're depending on us. Um, over in, in uh, Timothy somewhere, it says that we are intercessors. We're their only hope. I've said this before. Um, it's a one in a million chance that somebody is going to see our sign. They're going to drive up. They're going to park. They're going to come in here and they're going to come to the altar at the end of the service and they're going to be saved. You know what? They're depending on us. They're depending on us to reach the Word. And I've told you this too. 
I'm repeating myself, I know I am, but I cannot remember a time when anybody has ever other than a Jehovah Witness, and this is sad. I've had plenty of Jehovah Witnesses come to my house, and it ought to, it ought to tell us something. We need to be about the Lord's business. We need to be knocking on doors. Hey, it's okay if they don't come to the door. It's okay if they, they, they open the door and they see who we are and then they close the door. That's okay. We tried. Or tracks. Tracks. Um, you know what? In, uh, as we've learned in other countries, tracks are very precious to people. But in this country, you know what they do? They throw them away. They don't even look at them. A lot of people don't even look at them. But I'm still going to give them out because if I gave out one million tracts and one person was saved, the Bible says that one soul is worth more than this whole world. So why would we stop? Why would we quit trying? Why would we quit trying? Uh, notice in the ninth verse, but he that lacketh these things is blind and cannot see afar off, and hath forgotten that he was purged from his old sins. Now that word blind there is not physical, it's spiritual. But he that lacketh these things is spiritually blind. If you don't have the fruits of the Spirit, if you're not living for the Lord, if you're not serving Him, and if you're not doing the things that you need to do, reading the Bible and praying and studying and doing all these things that help you to grow, you are blind. And there are a lot of Christians today that are blind. They're not even trying. They're lazy. They're not even trying to serve the Lord. And that's what Peter is saying here. And cannot see afar off. Can't see any further than this. And had forgotten that he was purged from his old sins. <laughs> I don't ever want to forget where I was and where I'm at today. Do you? I don't. Well, I thank the Lord every day for, that, for the Lord dying on the cross for me and taking me out of all the filth and all the garbage that I was and making me somebody. And that's what he's done for you too is He makes us somebody, somebody that counts in this world. I may, not, I, I, I may not have fame and fortune, and I may not have riches, but you know what I have? I have the Lord, and He lives in my heart and in my life. And you know what He promised me? He promised me that one day I'll go to a place of rest, an eternal rest. It's called heaven. You know what? Hell is not my destiny. Heaven is my, my destiny. It's because I trusted in Him because of that sacrifice that He made on the cross for me. So, no, I don't want to uh, forget um, where I came from, and I certainly don't want to forget where I'm headed. Over in the 10th verse says, Wherefore the rather, brethren, give diligence to make your calling and election sure, for if you do these things, ye shall never fall for so an entrance shall be ministered unto you abundantly into the everlasting kingdom of our lord and savior jesus christ we're on that straight and narrow way that's our entrance and one day we're going to enter into a place called heaven and you know what we're going to we're going to put all of this stuff behind us i don't know i hope you don't watch the news too much i watch it less and less every day <laughs> every day i watch it less and less because it's, it's depressing. It's depressing where our country is going. But you know what? God said this is the way it would be in the end times. That things would get worse and worse. And it also said that there would be earthquakes. 
I can't help but think about that earthquake, and we were talking about it this morning, over there in uh, Syria and or Turkey, and, and over 50,000 people, if I remember right, were killed in that earthquake. That's, that's one of the signs of the times, is earthquakes. So, anyway... Tenth verse. I get, I can't believe it, Pastor. We're done. Almost done. Wherefore, the rather, brethren, give diligence to make your calling and election sure. For if ye do these things, ye shall never fall. For so an entrance shall be ministered unto you abundantly into the everlasting kingdom of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Wherefore, I will not be negligent to put always in remembrance of these things, though ye know them, and be established in the present truth. And the 13th verse says, Yea, I think it meet as long as I am in this tabernacle to stir you up by putting you in remembrance. Knowing that shortly I must put off this my tabernacle, even as our Lord Jesus Christ has showed me. Now, i got two pages of notes, and I think I've maybe used one or two of the verses. But that's okay. I enjoyed doing it. Uh, but our time runs out so quickly, Pastor. Uh, but notice this, and I'm just going to read this because... Uh, notice in the last verse, and then I'm going to close. Knowing that surely I must put off this my tabernacle, Peter was saying this, even as our Lord Jesus Christ has showed me you know what? Peter knew that his death, his, that he was going to be crucified. He knew that. He knew the Romans were going to crucify him. But you know what Peter did? And we know this. You've heard this. Peter said, I do not want to be crucified like my Lord. He said, I want to be crucified upside down. And most people know this. He said, I'm not, I'm not worthy to be crucified like my Lord. You know what? We won't be crucified. You know what? We'll never, we'll never get the th- the things I deserved. I deserved crucifixion. I deserved death. But you know what? I'll never suffer that kind of a death. And I don't know how I'll go. Um, I think I think my heart will just give out one day. <laughs> I put a lot of stress and strain on my heart through physical work, and I think my heart will just give out one day. And I don't know when that might be, but Paul Peter was saying that he knew his time was near. And I wrote this down, and let me see if I can find it. Over in Second uh, Corinthians, the third chapter, in the sixteenth verse, know ye not that ye are the temple of God, and that the Spirit of God dwelleth in you? If any man defile the temple of God, him shall God destroy. For the temple of God is holy, which temple ye are. You know, this is our temple right here. Paul Peter called it his tabernacle. But in 2 Corinthians, Paul said it was his temple. And that's what we call it today. It's, this is a temple where Christ lives and in our spiritual heart. And you know what? We should be doing everything in our power to keep it clean. Why would, why would we live double lives? You know, many Christians today do. Many Christians today, they're just, they're just saved by name only. And they're not living the life. And you know what they do? You know what we do when we do that? We bring reproach to, the, to our Lord. I'm, I'm so thankful for, 
for what he's done for me. And I want to only, I only want to proclaim, proclaim his name. And I want to live as holy as I possibly can. I'm not, I'm perfect. That means mature. But I'm not perfect. I'm not sinless. I still make mistakes in my Christian life. But I want to live as close as I can for the rest of my life. I don't have, know how much longer I have on this earth. I know I've already lived over two-thirds of my life. But you know, for the rest of my days, I want to be a witness and I want to be a testimony. And I want to have compassion and I, on lost souls. And I want to do everything in my power to reach lost souls. I want to give out tracts. I want to witness. And I even want to knock on doors. Because people are dying every single day. The Bible says hell enlarges itself every day. And every time I snap my finger, somebody is dying and going to that awful place called hell. And I don't want anybody to go to that place. But you know what? They go. And they go over the tracts that we hand out. They go over the witness that we hand out. There's churches on every corner. There's no excuse. But people are going to that place every day. And I just pray that we will uh, we will continue to uh, have compassion for lost souls. Let's pray. Lord, we thank You for this day. And-